Happy Killdozer Day. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, hopefully that's not some problematic code for something. And I'm so today is June 4th for, uh, for people listening. This is the, uh, the day that in 2004, a guy drove an armored Komatsu uh, heavy, uh, heavy excavator, like a front-end loader dozer, through a bunch of his, uh, what, he, what he thought of as his, uh, his enemies, his, their, all of their businesses. And nobody, the, only, the only casualty was himself. He, he unfortunately took his life at the end of it, but it was, a, it was, a one, it was always going to be a one-way, a one-way trip from the beginning when he sealed himself inside. Oh, so, okay, so what happened was a guy who was presumably perturbed by something decided to get into a bulldozer and raise some things. Well, we'll start at the beginning. Yeah. So let me let me just give the asterisks as uh, yeah. This whole thing is going to be heavily influenced and slanted by my own personal opinions, and I make no apologies for that. <laughs> so uh, nor should you. Yeah. No. no nor should I. Like uh, people are welcome to form their own their own opinions about about Marvin and what he did. Uh, there's there's a pretty good documentary about it called Tread. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think it's on some other things too. I don't think it's exclusive to Netflix, but yeah, it's it's an excellent overview, new much uh, a neutral overview of uh, of the events. Did they call him Messy Marvin? Messy Marvin, not not to my knowledge, it's entirely possible somebody called him that. Is that he, still? Do you guys know what Messy Marvin is? That's I, a, that's I a, don't know what you're referencing. That's a Gen X and older thing. That was like he was like a the commercial mascot, I think, for like Hershey. I know Marvin the Martian. They used to have Hershey had these commercials. And like the main character of the commercial was a kid named Messy Marvin. All right. So anyone not over the age of fifty is probably thinking I should shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, it's entirely possible that Marvin was aware of that. Marvin was born in nineteen fifty-one, so it's we Marvin. do have a big Central PA following. So yes, you know. <laughs> so, so Marvin, he this this is a guy. I believe he was a. Uh, a navy man. I think he spent time in the navy. Mm. Uh, he was a master welder. But he he was known by all of his friends as uh, the guy to go to if you needed welding work done. Um, he was he was really big into snowmobiles, and his whole crew that would go snowmobiling together. He he welded each of their snowmobiles like a custom fitted uh, metal like essentially kind of like a roll cage. But what it meant was that you could take your snowmobile and just drive it over small trees. <laughs> in a way is what that, area uh, what area of the country sorry was this, this is called this is the uh, base of the colorado mountains a small a small town in the base of the colorado mountains um and so this town back back when it was settled by americans moving west it was settled originally by a, a family and that family because they were the first there became slowly took over everything they, they didn't take over everything they built everything mm. they they inevitably became a big part they controlled most of the local governments they had family members in each in like different departments and it was uh it was somewhat of an old boys club of uh of local government and if, and if you weren't on the in club it was it was hard hard to get things done so this family had a bunch of land. They were they were in construction. They they were eventually they would go on to build a big uh, concrete plant, which was a driving kind of one of the driving wedges in in the antagonism between these these two parties. Mm. So Marvin purchased at auction at at a government auction a parcel of land that was like a small like three acre property or something pretty small, um, with the intention he wanted to turn this lot into a muffler shop. 
And this, this lot happened to be right in a kind of uh, corner position of kind of an L shape around his land was the land of, that was owned by this, this local family. And there was a whole series of back and forths between them. Um, uh, bo- both parties were, were aggressors at different times on, on different things. Um, this family definitely seems to have had the opinion that they, sh- that they wanted that land. They were willing to buy it from him. He, he changed his price several times when he, he, he was interested in selling it to them, but he was interested in selling them to them for a greatly inflated price than he paid. So he was kind of, I'm sure he was playing a bit of a hardball there. Um, but then there I were mean, back he's, and He's no different from FDR. Right. I mean, like he's, he, he purchases something and is hoping to sell it for a profit. He had this hard ass at this land that he was hoping yeah. to flip for a profit. Um, but there was, yeah, there was bad blood going back quite a ways between these two parties. Um, and eventually it got to the point that because this family was heavily involved in the local government, they, uh, they started issue local government started issuing, okay, well, you want to turn this into a muffler shop? Well, you're going to need a septic tank because you're not collect, you're not connected to the local sewer authority. So, and, and by the way, like, so you definitely, the, his neighbors, you could just run like a hundred meter line right over to the sewer connection over here. That'd be no problem. Probably like 10, 10 grand to do. Um, but chances are like his neighbors were not going to grant him that easement to run that right across the property. So what he was going to have to do was he was going to have to run a sewer line up the access road, which was a significantly further distance to take this $10,000 project up to like a hundred to 80,000 to a $100,000 project for, because he was not connected to the sewer line. Then it got to the point that he, he wasn't, he wasn't willing to do that. And he was uh, causing trouble for it. He, he was going to local meetings and causing an uproar and so they they find him and started finding him per day based on like for every day that he was not connecting his his property to the sewer line they were going to find him and there were there were a lot of very animated and loud public meetings that you can watch there's a video there's a video available of them uh, it's it's shown in in the documentary that i watched and also, like in addition to that we we know a lot of the details from marvin's perspective because marvin recorded extensive audio tapes um, explaining his perspectives and and what he believed that he had been told and that he needed to do he recorded i believe he recorded so, a video as well I, is, yeah. is there like a psychological profile on marvin that we know of like that he had i don't know this he was spectrum disorders or anything anything like that or from the videos i see of him he he seems like a pretty normal um pretty normal guy. Uh, I would say had he lived beyond 2004, he was probably a Bitcoiner. He was of that mind. He was of the freedom, freedom mindset. Like, don't, don't tread on me. In fact, I mean, in his writings, he, he's, what did he say? It's, he ended his writings with, with an excellent quote that has, I mean, he's, it's not alone to him, but he was like, I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. So this is normal guy who just get, keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah, when until... you push a man into the corner yeah. and take away all of his options of escape, what what is going to happen? Like the the man is going to fold or he is going to push back. It's funny, like that you already said he was a bitcoiner because I was already I just made a note. This is already like the most fiat story like ever. Like like <laughs> you know, it was absolutely through people's connections in government that they stopped they just were fucking with him and stopped him from anything he wanted yes although i mean he really was looking to i mean there's nothing wrong with looking to exploit that land but like yeah it's you know um 
or it's uh, it's sort of pure peak fiat. Two thousand four might be the most peak fiat year ever. Anyway, it's up there. <laughs> so Marvin, um, as in in his own words, he uh, he he reports he was sitting in his hot tub at at his property and. Mm-hmm. God, God came to him and spoke to him and told him what he had to do. And le- I mean, he, he resisted against it pretty heavily. But I mean, the question comes out, like, if God speaks to you, what do you do? Like, are you going to follow? Are you going to do what God tells you to do? And I mean, I, don't the- know. I, I mean, Mises might say, you know, we are men of reason and we resist our base urges. Um, you know, if God tells you you have to get in your bulldozer and raise raise a bunch of shit, I mean, if you are a if you know yourself to be a common dude who you know has been pushed to the edge, you might question whether or not that was God talking to you. Imagine God coming to you and telling you that he was going to destroy the planet in a flood and that you had to build an ark and collect animals to save them. That's a, so it's one like that's my point, right? You you nailed it. Yep. Right? God is more likely if there is a God like we think the like many people believe there is, more likely to ask you to build something than to destroy something. Right? So so he he so Marvin had what he believed and what he called um he had a righteous cause. He he had God been, is like I'll do the destroying. Okay? You just build you just build something. I'll do the dirty work, right? I don't like people destroying other people's property. Oh, so, right? Yeah, so, sometimes the method God chooses to use to do that dirty work is a man. And in this case, I mean, yeah, so <laughs> so Mar- Marvin was approached by God in his hot tub and given and told by God what he needed to do. And Marvin was very much, he was not interested in doing this. He, he wanted to continue living his life and like potentially leave the area and go elsewhere. So he protested. Um, he said, this is not my mission. For years, he protested. He, so, he, for, so for years, did he kept showing up in the hot tub and telling him what he had to do? And They were not all meetings in the hot tub, no, unfortunately. That, that, that would have been better. That would be but pretty no. cool. So the, the, the initial <laughs> meeting, Marvin reports, the, the, the initial, when, when he received his directive, he was in his hot tub. Um, but then, so, uh, so it's like uh, a burning bush kind of almost. Yeah, like, right. right. Uh, Something like that. Too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the, the ultimatum moment of realizing you can either stand up and be the man that you were born to be, or you can fold and go the fiat direction. And so yeah, he, he was given, he, he was enlightened with the task ahead of him. God told him that he had, his anger was righteous anger and that God was going to work through him to, to, uh, to avenge what, what his righteous anger was. And he didn't like that. And like, he, he came to like, is, it, is this why I've never had a family? And God told him that this was the reason that God had never blessed him with a family or children was because he was preparing him for this moment to sacrifice himself. And that, <laughs> that the, uh, that he, while he didn't, God under- came with a backstory and everything. Damn, man! He, so, God brought it to that. Someti- sometimes God tells <laughs> you to kill your own son. Like it's God is not does not always deliver good news. Unfortunately, yeah, he had the whole case. He he knew exactly how to persuade him to do this. He hit on every weakness he had. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's it's good to be omnipotent and know know what yeah. buttons to press. Um, but yeah, so so got, he he received his directive, and so he purchased a, a at auction a Komatsu was it three I think it was a three fifty five A front end front end uh, bulldozer 
massive, massive piece of machinery. He then, uh, he, in his, in his uh, shop on his property, he just, like, everything kept lining up. Like, he kept putting himself in position, um, asking for God to take this weight off of his shoulders and let him go. Um, but everything kept working. Like, the machine magically fit by centimeters through the door in the building. It just magically fit in. Inspectors came in while he was working on it, and no, but, like, he hung a sheet around it, a real, a real uh, like, a, a, the, the, the smallest little of distraction from, from this giant project he had going on. And they're like, oh, what's going on here? And he, he said, oh, I have, I have a contract from the government for, like, water cleaning or something. And like, oh, okay. So, but he, he internally, like, and according to the tapes that he was recording at the time, he was pleading with God, please don't make me do this. Please let, just let me go. Um, like he tried selling that he, he took, he took the thing before he started doing all the modifications. Like let my people go. Let yeah. my people go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let my people go, please. And I mean. That was himself. He was his own people. Yeah. And God said, no, there's going to be plagues coming that to, to, <laughs> yeah. to avenge things. Damn. Um, so, okay. So he, he kept trying to get out of it. He tried to sell it and, and he, like, he put it out for sale for cheap. Nobody bought it. He, like, anyway, so. Oh, so he tried, he bought this bulldozer. Everything freaking was green lighting for him. And, um, he, and like, he kept not, trying to, yes, yeah, he, he kept it. trying to be the, uh, the per, he didn't want to do what God had tasked him to do. And wow. because he kept coming, he kept challenging God and saying, please don't make me do this. And God kept coming back like, no, this is your burden. This is your task. It's, it's you, you do this or no one else will do this. This is on you. And so <laughs> it got to, so he eventually brought it inside and started modifying it. And he purchased, he purchased bulk steel from a auto distributor, I believe, and built and welded gapped steel armor. So spaced armor, a one inch steel plate, and then a, about a four-inch gap, and then another one-inch steel plate. And between those two steel plates, he poured uh, quickcrete, so high-tensile quickcrete. Uh, which so gapped armor alone will defeat most anti-tank weaponry. But then you, it's a, he knew what he was doing. He he knew how to build ad hoc armor that could defeat military weapons. So yeah, he he yeah, he, he, he built this crazy. He had this crazy yeah. gapped armor. Or, I mean, yeah, God God knew that he had the like his his history of like the, his military experience and welding experience he was the man for the job and god knew that so that's that's why god tasked him on it i would i would i would project god knew the right man to send for the job oh man that's so interesting and uh, so okay so he so he welds gap armor he so it's that's there's a quick question quick question sure like the time between the first say um touch point the first time he was tasked with the mission mm-hmm. in a hot tub between that and like the bulldozer, I think it's two or three years. So he, he was tasked in like the two thousand two ish two thousand, and then he took several years to get ready. And then when God didn't let him off the hook, finally, yeah, on June fourth, two thousand four, I would have. I was personally right around graduating high school. Two thousand four is the year I graduated high school. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so he was he was going on his rampage right around that. Anyway, so gapped armor. Um, the only, he had gun ports on three of the four sides. Um, he he had a three oh eight. Winchester. He had a 50 caliber Barrett and a small, a little 22 rifle, um, in each of these gun ports. He then he had a. So remember, this is 2004. So technology is not where it is today. So he he had a closed circuit CCTV system, in with multiple cameras wired to the outside, so he could see what he was doing. These cameras cameras were protected by armor themselves with a three inch lexicon. Uh, Lex, excuse me, Lexan in front of the in front of the lenses of the camera to keep the camera safe 
from being shot out. Uh, there was comp- there was nozzles that so he could shoot compressed air at that Lexan to clear dust off of them as he was doing his debris. He smeared the outside. He smeared the entire thing in Vaseline so that as people were tr- would be trying to climb on it and disable it, they would slide off and could and have a hard time. He he did a very thorough preparation to to this machine yeah. to get ready for, and then. The day Did he came. just accept? I guess he just accepted. Once he accepted he had to do it, he didn't want... He wanted it to be over, and he didn't want there to be another mission because he half-assed He half asked it. He was ready for the whole thing to be over. I so. mean, from the beginning, this was always going to be a one-way, a one-way road. There was no way out of this for him with like his life. Like a hash function. When he entered the machine the day of the morning of, uh, he yes. welded himself inside. There was no capacity oh for him to get out once he was in. Like, he was committed. Uh, and so, which was like, when when they were trying to get his body after he w- after he was dead, and they were trying to get their way in. Like they tried blowing their way in, explosives couldn't get in. They eventually had to cut their way in with acetylene torches through the through the HVAC system <laughs> to get in because they couldn't get through the armor. Uh, but it was yeah. So he was not once he was in there. It was a one way road. It was anyway, so, okay. So back to back to the machine itself. He had he was on a highway to hex. He, he was, yeah, yeah, he, he had an uh, agenda and a place to go. And so over the period of about two and a half hours, he drove all through this town and destroyed all of the businesses of his enemies. No, no one was harmed uh, other than himself, other than him taking his own life. There were, there were no injuries in this. The reverse 911 system was used to uh, call and, like, evacuate the areas. He demolished the town hall. He demolished a bank in the town. He demolished. Uh, he demolished the concrete plant next door to to his property. He demolished the town of the mayor. It, 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 there's a whole list of people that he had had these long drawn out fights with, and he went after all of their properties. And the thing that that took him out in the end. So th- so this started going on, and they start. They called the police. The police were deploying with AR with ARs. ARs were they were worthless against this. They unloaded every. A significant percentage of the ammunition that was controlled by the police force in the county was unloaded on this machine and only managed to break a coolant line. If you see some of the videos, you'll see it's spraying this uh, steam out of it. That was a coolant line that ruptured. But, I mean, that, that didn't slow it down. That just was a, that was a, that was a hindrance. Uh, but ultimately, the thing that took the killdozer down is the thing that all heavy armor in the military, every heavy armor operator in the military fears the thing that took the killdozer down. A basement. Mm. So he and in one of these buildings, the last building that he was was trolling through, he got he had one tread in and uh, that tread collapsed down into the basement, and he got high centered on the on the foundation of this thing, and that was the that was the last that Killdozer ever moved. And so uh, he he was there for a while, and eventually that was the place he uh, he took his own life right there. So the the Achilles heel of Killdozer is debasement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, accurate, accurate. And <laughs> yeah. today, and so yeah, this is uh, t- continues today, to be the most fiat story ever. Today we remember a man who, when pushed to the wall, decided to stand up and push back. Yeah, I, I mean, no, this is destruction of property, no lives lost. But there was about it was about seven million dollars worth of property damage. Oof. Mm-hmm. In two thousand four dollars, I mean, what that that would be probably. 12 ish in 2023 14 million yeah i mean it's it's not it's not insignificant but it's all it's uh 
I, I mean, I hope he. I hope that he is satisfied with the with what he was able to accomplish in so the time. How, so then, how long before uh, hitting debasement did he decide to end his own life? He was there. So the the whole. And how did he do that? From beginning to end, he shot himself in the head. From beginning to end, it was it was about two and a half hours, and the the documentary I'm sure has a has a more precise timetable. I would estimate somewhere like 25 minutes after he initially got high centered and and stranded there was when he he realized oh there's no getting out of this. This is this is the point. Did he ask God like why didn't you mention the fucking basement? That's a great question. There were no the, all of the tapes and his documents that were recorded were recorded before he went on his. So the, there is no data that came out of him after he started his rampage. All of the data. But the whole that we military have on him, knows about it. God has to know about it. Well, I'm, I'm sure yeah. the building owner knew that. The, or, right. He so knew that that was going to be he was, a weakness. Yeah, he, I'm sure if he had been trained in in heavy armor, like if he was in the army and in, in heavy armor, I'm sure he would have known to avoid. Okay. You knock buildings down, but don't get your treads in there in, over a basement. Like it's I like, guess part of the plan was just for him to go down like that in a fairly harmless way and then off himself. That's God's plan. His uh, so I mean me, me speculating like he didn't know like God never entrusted him with the reason for what he was doing other than you have what you have is righteous vengeance and it is you like you have to do this if you if like it was this was his burden that you have to do. and God God never told him why he had to do it. Uh, me speculating, I mean, like, I think God was going to leverage this dude to be, I mean, a martyr for people like us in the future. Like, we are now celebrating Killdozer Day because because this man stood up and just would not stand down against the state. It's true. The we is a stretch. Because... You're right. I should put the asterisk. Um, <laughs> the, all, the, all of these uh, thoughts and opinions do not reflect that of my co-host. These are my well, personal opinions. <laughs> I meant I really the way the way I mean that was I guess I was going to ask you this is what do you think about the fact that I mean I'm not saying I should have heard about this but I feel like I should have heard about this. This has been a suppressed story by by the FBI. Um, if you, so, a couple months right. back there were those uh, militant violent extremist fact sheets that were leaked. FBI fact sheets about MVEs and, mm. and MVE is the term for what the FBI considers a domestic threat. So like pe- people like us, Bitcoiners, we are domestic threats because we are threatening the system at large. Um, but on this what fact sheet... What does that stand sheet, for? MVE. MVE, Militant Violent Extremist. I, I have, I have uh, these PDFs. I'll, I'll forward you these PDFs later. Um, but so the, these, fact, these are the fact sheets that the FBI disseminates internally to tell their agents... These are what MV. These are things that MVEs prioritize. Like these are the types of things they listen to. These are you can you can identify them by these. They fly these kind of flags. They celebrate these types of events. And yeah, Killdozer. The Killdozer Day is is on there. It's one of them. It's like Ru- Ruby Ridge things like things like that. Sure. Um, Waco. Uh, the except we heard about all those. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, a lot of people have heard of Killdozer or they, they've seen images of Killdozer, but they don't know the story behind it. And it's been. It was. Like, it was suppressed. It has been suppressed because of what it is. It's a, a citizen standing up to the state. Like that's not something that the state can allow to circulate. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have a couple of questions. All right. Well, yeah. Let's let's do a couple of questions and then we'll end it. We're we're at twenty three minutes right now. I think we're we're coming up on a good amount here. Um, questions and maybe a comment. <laughs> um. Bitcoin fixes this, right? Bitcoin fixes everything. 
I feel like none of this would have happened in a world where Bitcoin existed. Agreed. Like not even like God just isn't telling people to do this right now. They're t- right. Well, I mean, it's like, so why couldn't he tell this guy to like go find the cypherpunks and like, you know, do that kind of work. This guy was just never going to do that kind of work. This dude was just going to weld and he was going to be a problem if he didn't. There is somebody. God, God wanted to get rid of him, right? And there's somebody out the there who is going to accomplish something for the world that will be inspired by Marvin. So like, like a, I think I a lesson, so. a lesson that a lot of people need to learn is that when you get pushed, it's okay to push back. Like you don't have to, like tur- sometimes turning the other cheek is denying your enemy the ability to strike you again. Yes, that's a great point. Right. So, like, and we have been so infantilized as a society that we are terrified of any sort of violence, any form of violence. I mean, which is why we're so shocked that somebody could, how could somebody strap an explosive to themselves and blow themselves up in a crowd of other people? Like, we have been so infantilized in this country that we don't understand how somebody could have morals that could drive them to do something like that. There are things that are greater than life to some people. I mean, like, if this was covered in the media, it definitely wouldn't be covered. Certainly, under this, it, this, it under would this be, narrative yeah, at all. Absolutely, right? yeah. He was a madman who could, couldn't be reasoned with. So okay, so some people do really. Some people get inspired by God. They know they got they get some signal, but they don't know why they're getting it, right? And so they do what they think they're supposed to do. Some people run bulldozers. He Some was. People. I think. I think he was lucky that he got a very specific. He he was lucky in that there was very little ambiguity in the directive he received. Uh, most of us, are, most of us will never receive a direct, a direct downlink like that. Um, yeah. a, a direct one to one like phone call with, the the quote unquote Almighty. It's like, so like everything in my world. This unfortunately you're going to have to listen to this for five minutes because everything in my world connects to the band Fish. Um, everything. And including Bitcoin and including Killdozer, okay? And it's actually pretty important. This is an important link. Um, so 2004 is a year, it's uh, the worst year ever, okay? And if, it's the worst year ever for a lot of reasons. Um, po- popular culture really got shivved that year. Um, Howard Stern left terrestrial radio who at the time was quite a funny and awesome dude. And he left, did try to start Satellite and all this stuff, you know, but left the public eye. Dave Chappelle left Chappelle show very famously. Really stuck it to the man, right? Walked away from a lot of money. It was a ballsy move he made, yeah. And 2004 was also the year that uh, Fish broke up. And they made this, they made an announcement that they would be done about two weeks before Killdozer went Killdozing. And, um... You know, I attended the last show in 2004, um, and it was just some dark, sad shit. So, like, if they're if they were getting signal in the late 80s and early 90s to like, you know, help spread the just help like kind of tenderize the meat on cypherpunking. Um, anyway, so if they were getting that kind of signal in 2004, they were just they were all drugged out and had nothing left and i think god was just pissed in 2004 right like we you know we're just we just like i guess we also went into iraq that year and um, there was a lot of bad shit happening around that time it, i think god was just pissed 
And it doesn't surprise me that in, that that would be the year that somebody just decides they have to fucking kill those. Um, I should say, so Fish was gone for five years. They came back in 2009. That sounds to me like an absence of God, not that God is angry. Abs- so yeah. they came back in 2009 with Bitcoin, with, with the launch of Bitcoin. And um, I'm going to have to do a whole thing on this. But like, I believe that it's like, I think they were channeling cypherpunk signal the whole way. But the album they put out in 2009 was Satoshi's signature himself. Um, so I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with that. Um, sorry, I had to get that out. No, it's good. Um, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to um, dilute Killdozer appreciation. No, it's all right. Happy Killdozer Day. Happy Killdozer Day.